My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be someone who played fewer mobile games, but now I'm stuck inside all day. And so you're playing games on your mobile, as they say. I am. I, I, have, I have started just downloading every game that has a weird Instagram ad about it. As long as it's free, I'll try it. Merge Dragons is surprisingly calming, but much more frustrating to play than uh, I would have anticipated otherwise. I always assume that if I ever get one of those games that, like, the CIA immediately knows what the inside of my asshole looks like. Like, that, just, like, every single piece of information that you can get. See, my thing is, I assume they already know that. Like, I've been on the internet for quite a while. I'm sure they've figured out my my asshole and its general shape and contents. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they know lots of things about me, but like, I'm not going to make it that easy. (laughs) And what is this? And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Uh, I was playing a mobile game, so I missed that the next part of this intro is mine. Throughout this podcast, where usually I'm not distracted by a mobile game because I'm usually more of a professional than that, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, is Jeffrey Donovan, pretends to be Jeffrey Donovan... Please get in touch. Plays as Jeffrey Donovan. In the beigest of suits. Um, you can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, that's burnnoticed with a D. As always, indeed. So this episode, Season 3, Episode 12, Noble Causes, aired on February 4th, 2010. It was written by Ben Watkins and directed by Michael Zinberg, who has been directing TV since the late 70s. He's has done everything from The Bob Newhart Show to Quantum Leap to Gilmore Girls to NCIS. Like, he's done everything. Wow. But while he did do a few episodes of Monk and Psych... This is his only burn notice. Yeah, there seem to be really only like one or two repeating burn notice directors. For the most part, it's like they just have some rando in. Yeah. I mean, I get why. He's busy. He seems to be in very high demand. I had an interesting experience reading the IMDb description for this one because I was like, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to (laughs) copy paste it Um, because I don't want to know what this one's about. So the first time I read it, I only got, like, in the first beginning bit of it and did not get the rest. And I'm only giving you context for that because I found out what this episode was about in real time, basically. Me too. Um, An old drug-dealing acquaintance asks Michael to help his mentally challenged cousin, who is unknowingly involved in a heist. Meanwhile, Gilroy gives Michael a mission, but he is forced to work with a dangerous partner. Now, when I first was doing this episode and taking notes and stuff, all I read was 
an old drug-dealing acquaintance. And my first thought was, God, what if it was sugar? <laughs> Guess what, guys? It's sugar. Sugar's back. From the pilot. And it's who so, we briefly so sweet. touched on last week. Yeah, we did. I guess he's I guess I got sugar you, on the mind. I got a sugar yeah. craving. I got a sweet tooth. And it turns out that the show had not forgotten sugar, which was good because we never did. <laughs> never forget. Hashtag never forget. You never forget your first. Yeah, you never Drug forget your paper. first sugar. <laughs> the, the title of this episode should not have been Noble Causes. It should have been Give Me Some Sugar. <laughs> I agree. Uh, And now I cannot wait to get into these weeds. All right. The sugary weeds. It starts out and Michael meets Sam, who has scouted the location of a meeting that Michael is going to have with Gilroy. And it is supposedly at a very fancy French restaurant. And Sam does not care for that shit at all. He's like, oh, it's hoity-toity in French. And they eat snails and things. And it's like, ugh. Um, And I realized at this moment that they haven't really talked about food and lunch as much in a while on this show. And that made me sad. Yeah, they don't. Nobody's been trading off who pays for what. Exactly. And I missed that uh, generally. But again, of course, it's supposed to be a fancy restaurant because uh, Gilroy is a fancy man. So Michael walks into this restaurant and it is not fancy at all. It looks like it was furnished out of a Pier 1. (laughs) this is at best a small casual french eatery there's just like a lot of like the main design choice that they have gone with is like different clear glass vases that are that are teal and green like they're all these little like glass or probably plastic um yeah almost certainly almost certainly plastic but they're supposed to look like glass, but they're all like teal and green. And like, I like teal and green. I don't think this is a bad looking restaurant, but I don't think it's a fancy restaurant. Certainly not one so fancy that Sam Axe is like, Mm-mm, nope, I cannot abide. Exactly. And certainly not up to the standards of a fancy British gentleman. Frankly. Well, he's only a fancy British gentleman. Maybe he doesn't understand what fancy French gentlemen like. Now, nah, see, he loves the finer things. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened here. Or if, like, someone lost a location on the day and they had to quickly improvise or what. But they are not selling it. And it was very distracting to me whenever we went to this location, which we went to twice. I did not uh, pick up on that at all. I was like, cool, they're in a restaurant. <laughs> Anyway, so Michael arrives and Gilroy is there and the table is set for three. Michael, Gilroy, and someone else. Someone named Claude. Uh, Claude, we will find out, is not French, even though this is a French restaurant and that's a very French name. Claude is like a British gangster. He's much more of a like Guy Ritchie type guy. He is not yeah. fancy. Uh, but Michael does not like the sound of Claude at all and threatens to leave. But when Claude arrives... And Gilroy suggests that maybe Michael isn't on board. Michael acquiesces and stays. And that's the scene. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of unclear to me why he's like, man, fuck Claude. Because, like, Claude seems kind of says something in the voiceover about, like, when you have to work with people. And, like, the thing is that Claude is supposedly as dangerous and evil as Gilroy thinks that Michael is. And Michael is afraid that he's going to... Claude is going to do very bad things. And Michael does not want to have to do very bad things. Well, as we know, Michael doesn't want to do anything. Not a goddamn thing. All he wants to do is work on the charger, because that's what he's doing in the next scene. Um, (laughs) While Fee just kind of watches, I guess. Michael tells Fee that he's going to get Claude out of the way, and Fee would just as soon be done with this business altogether. And then... Fucking sugar walks in. Uh, oh, I was so sugar? happy to see him from the pilot. Oh God, he's back, and this time he has a cousin. He has a cousin who's played by uh, Damien from Mean Girls. From Mean Girls, this cast is wild. <laughs> it really is. Like we'll I get never knew to where it they were as going. we go on, but everyone in this cast is someone, and it's wild. Uh, one at a time. One at a time. All right. But yes, Sugar explains that he has this cousin, Dougie, who has fallen in with some shady bank robbers. I wrote in my notes, back robbers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Some shady back robbers uh, who are pretending to be his friend in order to do a robbery. Uh, Dougie doesn't realize this because he's... Because he's slow. Oh, boy. And, and we, we both clench for impact. But we it's clench. actually... It's not, not that bad. No, it's it's far we'll better than it. Signals like, and Codes, We'll talk Michael about Damon from uh, Bean Girls. Um, but yes, um, Michael tells him to get Dougie out of town. And Sugar's like, Dougie has a job. He's got a life. It's really hard for him. Like, that's not fair. And Michael's like, fuck, I don't give a fuck. Get him out of town. Get that boy out of town. Uh, and so Sugar's like, fine, if you want help, I'm going to go kill all the bank robbers myself. And Michael's like, uh. Then Madeline calls. And Michael heads over. And it turns out that Madeline is getting an award for being a citizen crime fighter. Yes. It's our queen. The recognition she deserves. It's so good. She's so happy about it. And I'm so happy about it. I know. She was so proud. Remember Remember when we didn't like Madeline? Yeah, I do. And it was, those were dark days. And now we are fully on board with Madeline. Well, it's because they, like, they, they accidentally allowed one or two writers to treat her like a person. And we realized, oh, wait, no, she's fantastic. Yes, exactly. And Sherry Um, Glass is like about 90% of it. I think she is oh, so 100%. funny. And she like she in the same way that like <laughs> she Sam acts as a 100% 90% of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cuz like I I, I would think I would say the same about Sam Axe. I don't think that if Sam Axe was an, was anyone other than Bruce Campbell it would work. Like we love Sam and we love that Sammy gets some hammy, uh, but only because he's Bruce Campbell. And I think it's the same with Madeline. It's like if either of those characters were played by anyone else, they would not be nearly as charming and we would not give them nearly as much rope. Oh, of course. Um anyway, so she has gotten an award. <laughs> 
um, for being good at neighborhood good at neighborhood watch. <laughs> partially because she reported the theft of three cars that Michael told her to report that he stole. <laughs> what? So what I like about this is not only that she's so proud despite the fact that she's being lauded for solving crimes her son committed, but what I also love is that they're finally like wrapping up something that I have always wondered, like, what do they do with all these cars and things that they steal? Oh, they have Madeline call them in, which is not suspicious at all, especially not if you have a detective like Paxson on your tail. But I like that. Exactly. I like that little detail where it's like, oh, have you ever wondered this? This is what happens. And it's like, oh, cool. I didn't need to know that, but I like knowing it now. I like knowing it, too. Um, Madeline then invites Michael to the awards ceremony, to which Michael replies, I can't be in a room full of cops giving you an award for crimes I committed. And it's really good. (laughs) And Madeline is not perturbed at all. She's like, no, she doesn't uh, care. She really wants him there. She doesn't have any other family that's coming and she wants someone to be there. Yeah, apparently Nate is in uh, Las Vegas, we find out. I don't remember yeah. knowing that information. Did we know that information? No, I'm pretty sure they just threw that out there because Nate needed to not be there, and who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, then Sam comes in to borrow some sugar because, like, he moved out, but he lives ne- next door. Right. <laughs> Madeline calls him honey. I love it. Her best and, friend. And Her Sam friend is, like, Max. very excited about Madeline's award. He's like, did you hear? He's excited because she's excited. And that is, like, honestly, such a supportive best friend. It was so great. It's like, did you hear about the award? And apparently he helped her, like, submit it. It's great. Yeah, that's even funnier that she had to, like, submit herself for consideration. She has been scheming for this fucking award. And she got it. Um. Sam also tells Michael that he cannot find any info on this Claude person. And that's like the only plot thing. And I don't care because this is a delightful (laughs) scene. Everyone in this scene is on fire. It's cute. It's great. I love it. Sometimes this is a good television show. Meanwhile, at the loft, Fee has gotten info on Claude and it's nasty stuff. Uh, She also gives Michael some shit for not helping Sugar and his cousin while he is willing to do this Gilroy thing. Uh, Michael's like, it's not his problem. V asks, like, why Sugar and his cousin and his, isn't his problem, but Gilroy is his problem. Michael's like, yeah, you're right. I'll help people. Yeah, that's Michael, the thing. Is it's like, it's like his, his responsibility only goes as far as he wants it to in ways that make him seem, like, important and international. But, like, if he really took his responsibility seriously, he would agree with Fee and be like, yeah, we should just, like, fully set up shop here and maybe actually make money so that we're not constantly on like the you know i'm not constantly begging you for money like hey maybe we make a real go of this but no No. michael weston only has responsibility over bad guys as long as it makes him seem really important and exciting and sugar doesn't do that sugar in his alternatively michael's just like i don't know if we can pull this plot off and i don't know if i want to do it Maybe we don't do another mentally challenged character. Michael's working on a different level. (laughs) Anyway, so Michael meets with Sugar, convinces him to leave town. He thinks he does. Michael has never convinced someone to leave town and gets a location for Lynch, who is the head of the thieves. Now, Lynch 
is played by veteran character actor Spencer Garrett, who's done a ton of movies and TV, including playing Sean Hannity in Bombshell. Interesting. He's done a lot of stuff, but I know him because he plays Quentin Coldwater's dad on The Magicians. God. Yeah, I have bad taste in television. The Magicians is a good television show, eventually. (laughs) So Michael, Sam, and Fee scope out Lynch's place. Uh, When Lynch and his goons leave the place, Fee and Sam stick around to plan a bug, while Franz Ferdinand-esque indie rock plays, which is a change of pace for Burn Notice. Incidentally, I looked up the song it's playing, and it's by a band I'd never heard of, and one of the results was a Yahoo Answers question that asked, What song is this? It was on Burn Notice. <laughs> the people gotta know. People gotta know. They're like me. They're like, hey, that wasn't bad. It's like, fine. Uh, at the house, Fee finds a bunch of machine guns and diving equipment and speculates that Lynch is planning a water heist, which sounds fun and expensive. Mm-hmm. Eventually, spoilers, we find out that there is not, in fact, a water heist, which is probably good for the show because I remember thinking, God, there's no way they have the budget for a water heist. Meanwhile, while this is going on, it turns out that Lynch and his goons are going to kill Sugar. And when Michael calls Sugar to warn him, because it turns out that Sugar didn't leave town like he said he would. Because no one ever leaves town at first when Michael asked them no. to. Yeah. Sugar just wants to fucking fight back. This is the point where I realize... That they're basically writing Sugar as Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. I've never watched Breaking Bad, so I cannot interact with this part of the conversation. But yeah, it's the same thing, except because it's slightly more basic, basic basic cable. He says bro instead of bitch. But like, it feels like a reaction to Breaking Bad. Also, just because Sugar didn't have a character before, Sugar was kind of a... He was goofy but like a non-entity and they're like well he has to have a plot now so he needs to have a characterization and it really feels like jesse from breaking bad (laughs) so sugar takes a couple of bullets and michael blows his place up with a microwave and gets him to safety at the loft the gang debriefs sugar is somehow gonna make it even though he took some real bad hits that's not Uh, the first time that somebody took a lot of bullet holes and in in a this is very true episode like the like fucking Fiona's brother. Yeah, I he could took not so believe. many. He took so many right in the chest, unprotected, and they didn't even take him to the fucking hospital. He just like laid on Madeline's couch and was like, "I'm fine." And also, I love you, even though your Irish accent is so bad. I can't believe I didn't realize you weren't Irish. Anyways. Anyway, Fee is now on board with Dougie getting out of town, but now Michael's like, "No, Dougie can't go out of town. It's too late." Always the contrarian. The only thing to do now is make sure that Lynch gets taken down. He's also just kind of upset because, like, try to kill Sugar and Sugar's his buddy. (laughs) Sam volunteers to go meet Dougie and try to figure out what Lynch's scheme is and how Dougie fits into the scheme while Michael deals with Gilroy stuff. Yeah. So, And Sam also makes the point that, like, it's probably going to be useful for them to have someone who Dougie knows if they need to, like, extract him at any point. Like, that's that's yes. pretty built into the beginning. So, Michael meets with Gilroy and Claude, and Gilroy gives them both matching watches and says that will help, it will help them with team building because they're synchronized. And he also says that people's heartbeats 
tend to synchronize with their watches and that all of their hearts will beat as one and touches them on the chest. (laughs) Gay panic. It's a lot. It's very much a lot. Um, Very much a lot. Like all other parts of Burn Notice. Yes. He tells them that they're going to get his file from a government building before it gets processed and that Claude is in charge. Claude is the older one, so he's in charge. Once Um, again, a job that does not seem very complicated and definitely does not require the use of Michael Weston. No, it doesn't. I mean, in this case, Michael Weston was the one, like, going for the job, so I buy it slightly more. But, like, literally, we're in, like, the end of season three of this fucking spy television show about this very good spy that everyone loves or fears. And not once has an outside entity who has hired Michael, who is not, like, just one of the general clients of the week, ever used him for anything interesting or useful. It's so frustrating. It's such a, like, wasted opportunity. Like, making Michael do an actually interesting spy thing. Brennan, actually, no. Brennan is the only character who has ever hired Michael, or in this the case that I'm thinking of, strong-armed Michael, into doing something that actually utilizes Michael Weston's particular spy skills. And that was a one-off for that episode. Mm-hmm. And it was excellent. Why, like... Yeah. My, I cannot believe that they did Trisha Helfer so dirty to not as give her any, her and Michael anything interesting to do. She was all like mysterious and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't do fucking anything with that. Anyway, so Michael, so Gilroy leaves and Claude says that he's going to steal the file while Michael creates a diversion. When Michael asks about like guards in the building, Claude just like, well, just kill him. I'm bad. I'm a bad guy (laughs) and I have guns and I'm going to use them. To shoot this people is, till they're dead. This is our shorthand for bad guys. When Michael asks, what do we do about guards? We say, shoot them. V- yeah. Victor did the same thing. Like, someone is always, like, suggesting that they shoot guards. And that is always the point where Michael's like, oh, no, I have to be more involved. Yeah. So, while this is going on, Sam goes to Dougie's job at, like, I'm unclear what this place is. Isn't it a like, flower delivery? It's... It seems like they deliver flowers, but also we later find out that money goes there. I don't know if that's like money. I think it's the money from the flowers. But it's like in an armored truck. It's like a bank truck. Well, yeah, because it has to come by much money. Well, but it's not the, the. I think a bank truck comes to collect their money for the week. Like I used to work uh, part time at a gymnasium um like a school gymnasium but that during the summer was just used for like uh like adult extracurricular events and i would take i would like keep all the money and i would put it in a lockbox and then someone in an armored car would come by like every friday and pick up uh like my little thing and I was like a teenager. <laughs> so th- I, th- this I buy. It was confusing the way that it was introduced in the show. But yeah, any place that like collects a lot of cash, um, sometimes instead of having someone do a bank run, um, which Got is how it, it. Okay, usually cool. that works. Makes sense. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's definitely a thing. I have, I have experienced armored car pickup and drop off in a seemingly cool, cool, cool. not armored car requiring location. Yeah. But it is a flower place where they deliver flowers and the place is airtight so that like air from outside can't get in and fuck with the flowers. Yeah. This will be important later. 
<laughs> but not that important. No, not really. Um, most most things in this particular plot line are not all that important. No. So Sam goes and he is posing as someone who works for the city's work placement program. Uh, and he meets with Dougie, who recognizes that he is ex-Navy by his watch. He then just volunteers information about Lynch, just out of nowhere, because Lynch is also Navy, goes on missions, and that him, Dougie, that he, Dougie, is on high alert because he might be doing missions with Lynch. Dougie then invites Sam to a party that Lynch is having, but Sam politely refuses. It's a lot. I don't think the script does Dougie a lot of favors here. Nope. But I think the actor is doing good. Yeah, it's it's not overdone. It's not a lot of stutters and jerks and like no, any, of the, yeah. any of the classic offensive shit that people do when they play disabled on TV. Exactly. He is played by Daniel Franzese, Franzese uh, who, of course, played Damien in Mean Girls. Had Mean Girls he, come out at this point? Is this pre-Mean Girls? No, this is post-Mean Girls. Mean Girls is like 2004. Interesting. Mean Girls is like early, early, I think, isn't it? Mean Girls is definitely a 2000s movie. He mostly kind of just plays Damien like a grown-up kid, which pretty much works. It's not cringy a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but it's not cringy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, not very actively mattered, bad. Which is good. Yeah. So well done there, Damien from Mean Girls. <laughs> so Sam can't go to this party, but Fee can go to the party. So Fee goes to the party, and it's full of sexy bikini ladies, obviously. Um, and at this party, Lynch gives Dougie like a shot of alcohol and then tells him to dance. And he does because he doesn't know he's being made fun of and everyone laughs at him. But again, he doesn't know that people are laughing at him because he's slow. And Fee Mm -hmm. watches this happen and is very upset and now wants to kill everyone. Also, while she's there, she moves the bug that she planted because she planted a bug in a remote control. But Lynch is having meetings in a room that the remote control is not in. So she has to go into the room and pretend to be a drunk woman at a party and then kind of slip the bug in there so they can listen in on what's going on. Yeah, I always like seeing Sam and Fee in the field having to improvise because we usually only get to see that with Michael. Usually the only times we see Sam and Fee in the in the field are when they're like, you know, passing by something or like listening to someone. But I actually like to get to see them doing work. And we've seen that more often in the last couple of episodes. And I've really enjoyed that. I have too. It's really good. Uh, so Sam listens in on the bug and hears that Lynch is meeting with a thief that he's never met before. Like he has someone that is going to arrange a meeting with him and a thief, um, which is great because as Sam says, he knows someone else that Lynch has never seen. Michael Weston. So Sam uh, finds Bolo, who is the guy who is putting Lynch in touch with the thief. He's like the thief's agent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Agent um, to the thieves. Agent to the thieves, but not like the guy whose name I've already forgotten. Strickler. Strickler. He's more low level. Yeah, and he gets in touch with this guy through Barry, and surprise, motherfucker, it's Eric King, 
who's of course famous for being on Dexter and saying surprise motherfucker <laughs> in now various memes. It. Yeah, I mean, I recognize everyone in this episode. I did not find the casting quite as wild, but now as you're reading all of them out loud, I'm like, holy shit, this was a packed episode of guest stars. Yeah, he said surprise motherfucker on Dexter and in various memes that spread from that episode of Dexter, including a classic Vine. But it's fun to see him here. It is. He he he, have, he, he seemed to have fun with this part. He seemed to be having a lot of fun. It's a very, like, fidgety, twitchy role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's enjoying it. Uh, so Michael and yeah, Sam I, I pretend. Have a, a, I, I assume he probably plays a lot of tough guys just because he's, like, yeah. so muscular and, and tall. But, like, getting uh-huh. to see him being kind of like a snivelly little snitch was very Exactly, funny. yeah. Yeah, normally he just plays the kind of guys who say, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> very against type. Yeah, it's great. So Michael and Sam pretend to inject him with poison. <laughs> they inject him with, like, Kool-Aid or something. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, uh, something completely, like, benign. But tell him that it's poison and that he cannot have the antidote unless he introduces Michael to Lynch as the thief. Um, so Bolo sets up the meet between Lynch and Michael. Uh, Michael in this meeting is DJ... And Bolo is effusive as hell to Michael's abilities because he has not yet gotten the antidote. (laughs) Bolo really wants to make this happen. It's really good. And Lynch wants Michael, it turns out, to steal a hydraulic cutter, a.k.a. the Jaws of Life. Michael is reluctant because that's what Michael is, but he agrees to do so. So Michael, Sam, and Fee meet at their usual place, um, which is the name of which I have forgotten. Carlitos? Uh, Carlitos, yeah. And they reason that Lynch must be planning to use Dougie to get on a flower delivery truck and go to this to a location unnoticed. Uh, Sam says that he'll try to get a delivery route for the delivery trucks and that uh, he and Fee can scout possible targets. Fee also says that she's learned more about Claude, and Claude likes to climb buildings. He's a free climber. He just climbs up buildings like he's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He climbs up buildings and his name is Claude. We now Those know two facts are his about him. facts. <laughs> well, and, he, and he's willing to kill guards. Exactly. Those are all the things on the Claude trading card. <laughs> All right. Um, So Michael goes to Madeline um, to get his dad's city inspector shirt that he used to wear when he was stealing things. Or as Madeline says, borrowing things. Yeah. At this point in the storyline, especially with all that they've like dealt with together, it is kind of silly that Madeline is still like insisting on the obvious lie of who her ex-husband is. Like it doesn't feel... Like, it makes sense for her anymore to be like, oh, no, he was just borrowing. It's like, yeah, your dad was a real piece of work. I mean, I think it's a more knowing this time. It's more just kind of like keeping up appearances. For who? I don't know. The dead. Anyway, apparently his dad had a secret compartment in his closet that Michael knew nothing about. And Madeline opens it and gives him. And while this is going on, Madeline gives him a tie to wear at the ceremony. It's going to match her Her citizen ceremony. This special tie, which is a clip-on, 
it is such a good very detail. colorful because it matches what she's going to be wearing. That's At which so point sweet. Michael has to go about that. Um, and says that there's this there's this guy named Claude go. who climbs buildings. Uh yeah. And I gotta like help him climb buildings, but not help him too much. Uh basically I gotta do some crime. You know, like dad used to do. Yeah. Like father and so like Madeline son. is very sad. So Sam gets the delivery routes and talks to Dougie again, who is collecting flowers for sugar in the hospital. Sam tells him that he got shot in the Navy and getting flowers helped a bunch. And it's almost sweet. Like, it's always, it's tough because we're watching, like, a non-disabled person play a disabled person, and that always feels weird. Mm-hmm. You know? But, like, this thing that they're doing with Sam and Dougie is almost sweet. Yeah. And, and, and once again, like, you know, we can say whatever we want about, like, the representation itself, but, like... I like the way that the Burn Notice crew speak to him. And I did like how, in general, how they spoke to what's-his-face, real-life Michael Weston and that other thing. Like, they they seem like they're not trying to, you know, talk down to him. They're, you yeah. know, meeting him where he's at, and that is I mean, there was more do- talking down to Michael Weston. Yeah, but that was because he was actively, like, antagonistic. Yeah. Like this yeah, guy's just like a sweet guy picking flowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the 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 slow guy in this is not the problem. He is the victim. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is just um that the guy in the last episode, Michael Weston, was much more coded as very autistic and schizophrenic. Whereas right. this guy is just kind of slow. Mm-hmm. We then watch Michael run a couple of errands. Um, first he goes to the building that he's going to, that Claude is going to climb up and then sabotages it, um, by just basically putting grease everywhere. So the Um, idea is that he doesn't want, what's his name to get the file, right? That's it. Yeah. Well, he wants to get Claude out of the picture basically. So he wants Claude to fail. The important thing isn't that he doesn't want to steal the file. It's that he doesn't want to work with Claude anymore. Because Claude is bad news. This whole plan is to get Claude out of the picture. And he's going to do that by, like, greasing poles and things. Uh, then we high watch up, him, too. Really high up. Uh, we then watch him s- stealing a Jaws of Life from a firefighter training facility. So that he's not actively preventing anyone from dying due to the lack of a Jaws of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a fun little scene where, like... Michael goes in and has to pretend that it's broken. And he's like, you letting people use this? This is going to go real bad. <laughs> uh, we'll bring it right back once we fix it. But yeah, there is this sense that Michael is just running errands. Yeah, he's got, he's got a couple of things to knock off his list. Yeah. Uh, then back at the loft, uh, Sam and Fee return from scouting and tell Michael with great certainty that... The thing that the robbers are going to rob has to be this art auction at the Hotel Milano. That is definitely it because it fits with everything because you would need the jaws of life to cut open like a box that had paintings in it in a way that wouldn't burn the paintings 
or and you would need swimming equipment because the hotel is right on the water and other reasons and like it's on the delivery route and that's why they need dougie like it fits perfectly at which point it becomes abundantly clear to the audience at home that this is definitely not what is going to be hit (laughs) they are 100 percent wrong and again what really hits at home is that this delivery is going to happen sometime next week. Yeah, and they're like, so we've got all the time in the world. Let's go hang like, out, yeah. get a beer. No need to rush. Uh, so Michael meets Lynch to give him the jaws of life. And it turns out that, yeah, Sam was wrong. And the actual target is an armored bank car, and it's happening right now. And they're like, well, fuck. So Michael, Fee, and Sam rush and arrive at the heist as it is about to start. Uh, and Lynch's plan is basically to hang out in the warehouse, to just, like, hang out and let, have Dougie let them in. And then when the truck comes in, from the bank truck, they will seal the place tight because it is airproof, airtight, and fill it with gas. And they're going to use the gas, the breathing masks from the scuba equipment to keep breathing. And that is why they needed the scuba equipment. Yep. Which seems needlessly convoluted. Oh, you why mean, are like, they not most just like episodes? <laughs> yeah, why would they not just like kill the people in the bank car like some other way? Why must they find a flower shop that is airtight and do this really complex thing when it seems like Maybe there's it was... pro- gotta be an easier way? <laughs> well. Maybe it was that they the opportunity arose because they were like, we want to hit this bank car. And then they happen to meet this 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 guy who's a little slow and wants to go on an adventure. And they're like, oh, where do you work? A flower shop. Ooh, a flower shop that gets an armor car money drop. Ooh, maybe we could do something with this. And maybe they were like reverse engineered their plan as a result of meeting Dougie rather than deciding this flower shop's the way to go and then lucking into Dougie. That's going to be my assumption. It's still kind of a thing of, it is reverse engineered, but it's reverse engineered from what's like, what's a plan that if you use, look at all the parts of it, suggest a different plan. Yeah. So we can have this thing. As always, it's needlessly complicated to make it seem like, oh man, all of these guys are so badass and Michael Weston has to work extra hard. But really it's like, y'all, this could have been simpler on every level if we had just done something else. Like it doesn't. Just adding more stuff doesn't make it a better and more interesting spy thing. Like, Bad Breaks, not to bring everything back to Bad Breaks, but Bad Breaks was simple um, without being, and complicated without being convoluted. Like, there was a lot of stuff going on that you have to manage. And, like, there, there wasn't a lot of bells and whistles on each individual thing Michael Weston did, but each sort of logically led into the other. Whereas, like, anytime we see one of these sorts of plans, or, like, the fucking one from last week where there's, like, eight layers of gangsters to get to the one child molester slash cop killer, it's like, why does it need to be like this? And, well, the thing is that, like, there's obviously a reason why it needs to be like this, and I think that's the thing that bugs me more. Is that like these cop, these bank thieves have have to come up with a ridiculous plan just so Sam can get it wrong, right? Just so Sam and Fee can get it wrong. But also, like, armored cars go to more than one stop. Like, there's not like one armored car per business. Like, that's why well, the armored yeah. car bit thing is a thing. So, like, why is it that they chose a flower shop? 
Well, it it has to be the flower shop because the flower shop is airtight. Because he, he also owns a side hustle where he sells scuba equipment. And he's like, how yeah. can I combine these two things? I want to rob an armored exactly. car and I want to use my scuba, scuba stuff for it. It just seems like the weirdest train of thought ever. Anyway, so Sam goes in to get Dougie out and he and gets in a shootout with Lynch. And Dougie saves Sam uh, when Sam gets like pinned down by gunfire and like Dougie pushes some stuff over and distracts the guys and then Sam and Dougie get out and that's like their kind of thing. And it is, it's again, it's almost cute. It's almost cute. Anyway, Michael locks them in and calls the police. It's another one of these burn notice endings where the plan is to lock a bunch of crime guys in a room and call the police. I mean, I do appreciate that like they've kind of moved off murder or at least they have this for a couple true. of episodes because, like, those are basically the two endings to burn. Well, no, there's three endings to burn notice episodes. One, murder. <laughs> they they either murder them themselves or have them murder each other in a really convenient way. Two, they convince them to leave town. It only a- en- ends up working at the end of the episode, not at the beginning. Or three, they lock them in a room or, like, in some other way, get them all to a place to get arrested by cops. Those are the only three ways that a Burn Notice episode can end. And frankly, I don't really know what other ways that they could end other than um, sort of side thing. They convince them to adopt a dog and move back in with their mom. That's true. But, but even in that episode, but that, no, that they episode locked a bunch of, of guys. Classics, locking them in a, yeah. Exactly. But, like, honestly, though, you know, we, we make fun of them. But what, how else could a Burn Notice episode end? And this is very true. Like, there really aren't that many options for bad guys do bad thing, but we are vigilantes. Like, even Batman, he what all he does, or Spider-Man, they just, like, tie the bad guys up and just sort of leave them places for the cops to find them. This is true. Have they done that in the show yet? Like, literally just dropped a bad guy on the front steps of... I don't the think police. so. I'm sure That's they will fun. at some point. Yeah. So Michael and Fee visit Sugar in the hospital to tell him that everything's going to be okay. And Sugar tells a story of how he used to make fun of Dougie when he was a kid, but then he got jumped by some guys and Dougie saved him because they were family, which Michael takes to heart. We also either learn or relearn. Do you remember... If we knew Sugar's real name up to this point. I don't think we would have ever had a reason to know his name. All Sugar was in the pilot was this shitty drug dealer who lived next door and refused to leave. And was like, no, Michael Weston, I'm going to kill you. And Michael Weston's like, no, my friend, I will kill you. Yes, you don't know who you're dealing with. I'm Michael Weston. I used to be a spy. Um, But yeah, but he has this whole monologue that ends, I think, with like, him saying that, like Dougie said, like, because your family, Raymond. I don't know if it's supposed to be a moment. That, yeah, like, I don't either. Because Sugar's else name is... is Raymond. Yeah, I. It. I mean, I guess it's because they were finally like, if Sugar's gonna have a real moment, we can't just keep calling him Sugar because obviously that's not his name. And it was honestly yeah, also kind like... of a ham-fisted, like, see, Michael, you support people who are your family. I feel like it would. No, have I mattered. get that. No, I, no, I get it too. But like, I feel like it would have been more impactful if it had been for nate because he does actively hate nate <laughs> like his mom he generally likes his mom and like they have like their differences but you know he always comes through but i feel like this particular like a plot would have worked better with a nate subplot Possibly. because 
Like, I feel like there would have been more fun ways to get Michael to go to this cop event with his mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I just, again, I don't know if they think we care that Sugar is named Raymond. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we would have ever had a reason to know that information before. Yeah, but they're, exactly. That's the thing is I think they think it's a reveal. <laughs> Finally, the mystery we've been waiting on for three seasons. What is Sugar's What's real Sugar's name? What's Sugar's name? Oh, God. Anyway. So, Michael and Claude show up to do their little heist. Uh, Michael creates a distraction by making it look like a car is on fire and then watches as Claude climbs up the side of a building and then falls from a great height and definitely shatters his leg. Mm-hmm. But supposedly just broke his ankle. But like he lands I mean, on that. Like he. Yeah, he, he falls very far. But also you have to remember Claude's whole thing is that he climbs stuff. So I bet he's got like very strong legs. Yeah, but just like the way that he lands, I need to watch it again. Like he lands bad on his leg. Yeah, well, and, he but, lands like, bad he enough Michael that they have to take and... him out back and shoot him. So yeah. that's true. But yeah, so all of this happens, and I guess it happens so fast that Michael has enough time to show up at Madeline's award ceremony, which is like I don't know what I was what I was expecting. But it's, like, outside, and it's very low-key. It's got real strong company barbecue energy. Yeah, it does. I was expecting it to be, like, in an auditorium of some kind. I Maybe was, I'm too. Just watching too much Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because anytime there's, like, a ceremony for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's always in, like, the same assembly hall. Here's what I think. I think the locations manager had a heart attack this week. <laughs> Their bad French restaurant, their bad exactly pop thing. Because yeah, the thing about it is, I wish it had been indoors because it would have sold the fact that like Michael Weston is trapped with a bunch of cops way better. Yeah. If we add the like claustrophobia of he has to push past several cops to get to his mom, and then they have to sneak out. Because like if it's just out in a field, you know, there's there's so much space. It he doesn't feel actually like you know chained in, and I don't think that that was an effective. Uh, as effective of a visual cue as it could have been. No, it wasn't. Um, it honestly yeah. kind of so looked shows like a, a wedding. It, it was either it does a kind of look like a wedding or a wedding. That was sort of the two things that it, it but like feel, like a cheap like. wedding. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course. Which, in yeah. my opinion, are the only kinds of weddings that there should be. Yes. Um, we're gonna have to talk about wedding stuff. Not for us. Yeah, Chris and I are getting married. We're not moving in together. We're not breaking quarantine for each other, but we are getting married. For taxes, no. It doesn't uh, doesn't help us at all. We're just getting married, and you're going to have to live with that, okay? Yeah. (laughs) If if you guys subscribe to a Patreon, we'll get married. Yes. (laughs) That'll be our first goal, is like if we get 10 patrons or if we hit like $100 a month. We will get married. We will be legally required to get married. Uh, it's such a good fanfic promise. <laughs> anyway, Isn't that so what Michael the people arrives. have been clamoring for? Our yes. undeniable sexual chemistry? God, when are Brie and Chris going to just get married already? <laughs> Not even, they don't want us to kiss. They don't want us to touch each other. No. Which, like, fair. This, oh my God, we, that reminds me. We also me. don't I want saw that. this on Twitter. We could cut this out or not because I want to hear from people who listen to us. Real quick. 
in the game Fuck Mary Kill, do you get to Oh yes, you fuck obviously get to fuck the person marry? you marry. Yes, obviously. No, you don't get to fuck the person you marry. No, that's the person you have to fuck on a continual basis. No, like cuz that that changes the game. Like that's not It like, does not. That's always how the game has played and you fucking no, sociopath. The point is that like then it just becomes like a ranking. No, it doesn't. Of like it's, Good, like, like best, reg- good, and worst. That's the point a, is, like, it's like a rock, paper, scissors kind of trade-off. Like, who's, like, the best that. personality, who's the hottest one, and who's the one that should be murdered? But I don't understand why in that scenario you wouldn't get to have, like, you know, the occasional marital sex with your literal married partner. Because, like, then it's just, like, then just marry the one that you want to have sex with. Like, no, see, like, I, the the way that it works is that, like, the person that you want to have sex with wants just to try it, but you definitely don't want to keep doing it with. Like, that's why it's always, like, the crazy one. You always choose, like, yeah, this person is crazy hot, but they would suck to deal with, like, day to day. So, like, you'd fuck them because you're curious, right? But then, you know, you'll, you know, it's a love them and leave them kind of a thing. Whereas this person, I would not hate having sex with them or spending time with them on an extended, for an extended period of time. That's, that's I just think it muddies is. it. I don't think uh, only if you don't understand what marriage is and have never heard of marriage outside of the game Fuck Mary Kill. The thing is that like marriage in the context of Fuck Mary Kill is a is different marriage. Institution. It's called marriage. It's not platonic friendship. Fuck kill. <laughs> it's well, yeah, it's because fuck, that's Mary a mouthful. Kill. Exactly, which is why marriage is marriage. I don't understand why we are like marriage. Because anyway. yeah, I saw that on Twitter and I was annoyed. Like, obviously, you get to fuck the person you marry. See, I saw that and I was annoyed because obviously you don't. <laughs> what? What do you think marriage is? Obviously, in actual marriages, you get to fuck. I'm not saying that in actual. Then why wouldn't you, you in this, this game? Is like, I don't think it substantially is, changes the rules of the game at all. I it think it very, makes the game. Again, it's not friendship. Fuck kill. It's fuck, marry, kill. It would not be marry like, if it wasn't It's that. like, anyway. But Chris and I are this going all to better, get married. I hope this all stays in. <laughs> we'll see. Burn notice, uh, fans, burn daddies. Uh, hit us up, what you think. Yeah. Anyways, can we we'll finish also the episode, Joe, please? We, we'll also we have Joe resolve this in the bonus res- episode. <laughs> the bonus episode is just going to be Joe resolving all of our fights. Yes, Joe is our marriage counselor. Yes. But yeah, so Michael shows up and he's wearing the stupid clip-on tie. And Madeline is so happy that he's there that she does not want to be at the ceremony anymore. She just straight it's up just, leaves. No, that's the worst possible version. Michael should have had to sit there and wear his stupid tie and shake hands with cops. And Paxson should have also been there. And they would, like, she doesn't have any lines. They just kind of look at each other from across the ceremony and just don't say anything. And it's really tense and funny. And Madeline is so happy. And every once in a while, we catch Paxson's eye. And then, like, they go get a drink or something. That is how you yes. use this scene. Exactly. It's so weird. I think this episode was, like, a clusterfuck behind the scenes. I think that's the only <laughs> thing that makes it make sense. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway. There's no way this was the plan. Exactly. It couldn't have been. Anyway, Michael meets Gilroy again at the same chintzy little restaurant, but at least it looks a little bit better in low lighting. They God, drink you, expensive you really whiskey. I really hate like, this restaurant. They had one job, sell it as an expensive... Re- I don't think it looks bad. 
I think if I walked in there, I'd be like, oh, this place is cute. This place is nice. But, like, their whole deal is, like, Gilroy is fancy man with expensive taste. Like, he literally is like, we're going to order something expensive. Like, the whole point of him is extravagance and class. And, like, it'd be one thing if he'd be like, oh, this is the best French eatery in town. Like, you don't want to go to one of those fancy places. This is the best. It would be one thing if it was that. But the episode is trying to sell this as incredibly fancy and expensive. And they got, like, fucking plastic vases. Uh, I think they Carlitos looks nicer. You would. Like, when fucking, like, like, Michael and Fee went on their date, that looked nicer. Well, that was also at night. And I this the the end scene is at night. It still looks like oh, you're right. It definitely is. It still looks cheesy. It's yeah. Anyway, so they meet at the restaurant. They drink expensive whiskey, and Gilroy tells Michael that Claude died of his injuries. <laughs> and he then tells Michael that he has to do the job alone, and if Michael can't do this job by himself. He might also die of his injuries. So this was what's confusing to me. Weren't they doing this? Didn't they have like a very short timeline, like turnaround for this job? Is the timeline not over? I'm guessing it's not over. Because it, it seemed to me like they had like two days and it's definitely not been. Like, I, f- I feel like they're at the end of the time that was originally set off for this. So I kind of assumed that the job failed and Claude was fired slash murdered. <laughs> And that, and that was just going to be the end of it for this particular thing. But then he's like, no, have you no have idea. to do it now. I have no idea, but I don't want to think about it anymore because the episode's over. It uh, sure is. So let's talk about some spy tips. I got like a few here that are borderline as always, but let's get through them. Yeah, you really don't curate these. Finding the best place in a house to hide a bug can be tough. But if you can't wire the room for sound, the TV remote is a good all-purpose choice. It's got a power source. It... It's kept in areas where people gather and usually in the hand of the most powerful guy in the room. Yes, I, like I got to watch the game. Yeah, that's good. Microwaves are one of the most dangerous appliances in the home to repair or modify. But in a pinch, you can use their extremely high voltage to your advantage. Remove a microwave's surge inhibitor. Uh, mix in some reactive household cleaning supplies and pressurized cans and a fistful of silverware. Make sure the door is sealed tight. And to save time, just press popcorn. Do it right, and you have the makings of a very big... And then there's a explosion. Yeah. That's good. That's good. We, we just got yeah. a microwave for the first time in five years, so uh, I've been very much enjoying that. Hot Pockets yeah. are actually extremely good, and I'm glad that I can have them again. Poppin' hot. Uh, okay. Next one. Anyway, bite, so, please. next one. <laughs> this one I is bad. Yeah, I don't But I'm including it because I'm angry at it. Because it's <laughs> wrong. Okay. Please, please go on. Everyone knows about the placebo effect. People get healed by sugar water because they think it's medicine. Of course, the placebo doesn't just work for medicine. It turns out fake poisons work pretty well, too, which is useful when you need someone to be terrified enough to do whatever you say. That is not how the placebo effect works. <laughs> That's not what that means. It's 
if it was the placebo effect, then he should have like physically felt ill from getting injected with that stuff. All they did is said, this is bad medicine. This is poison medicine. And we're going to inject it in you. And it's poison, okay? And he's like, I believe you. But nothing actually physically happened to him. The placebo effect is when you take a sugar pill and like your brain thinks that it's medicine. And so your body actually changes. I mean, it technically he's saying that like it'll do the same thing uh, if you think that you're sick. If you think that you're sick, you will get sicker. But like that's not what happens in the episode. That's not like really what happens. They just tell him that it's poison and he's like i believe you <laughs> and well and then he be... sweats and stuff and it's like but he's also nervous because he thinks he's been poisoned right and so he, he he like makes himself feel worse because he's so sure he has been poisoned but that's like but that's different that's fearing for your life because you think that there's poison in you. Right, but not... he's sweating and he's and he like they don't go into it. I would argue that had they like added like an additional line of dialogue it wouldn't have been fine cuz like basically he's so worried that he's like it I mean it's it's a it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy version of the placebo effect where it's like, you know, in a lot of cases like thinking that you're sick is actually makes you sicker than being sick yourself. Yeah, but there's no evidence that he's sick, just evidence that he's scared. Well, the evidence that he's sick is that he has been injected with something that he did not realize. No, that's what I'm saying. But, like, there's no evidence in the episode that he is sick. Well, he's, like, sweating a lot and, like... Because he's scared. I think that they're that they're assuming that we take away that he thinks he's sick and is, like, feeling the effects of something. I think the point of this tip was to say this guy actually thinks he's sick and is starting to have like symptoms and that's why he's so nervous okay do you think we should keep it then no it's a bad tip but i'm not mad at it (laughs) i'm mad at it because that was not made clear at all well i think that they were hoping that the spy tip would make it clear it does not because they can't just inject a guy with like dishwasher fluid and be like and just not mention it (laughs) so they kind of i think they're like retroactively if like they made it clear that the guy was actually having symptoms. He just seems scared. Did they even list out what the symptoms would have been? Because that would have been helpful. It's no, like, that would have been The first thing something. you'll do is that you get really sweaty. Something. Then, yeah. No, I agree anyway. with you. It, it was bad, but I, I see what they were trying to do. And just because they didn't All do right. it successfully does not necessarily mean anything. This one is maybe something, maybe not. We'll see. Uh... Even the most skilled operative knows that a good plan is 10% execution, 90% preparation. Advanced work is crucial if you want an operation to be example. Advanced work is also crucial if you want an operation to fail. For example, for someone who likes to break into buildings by free climbing, tampering with potential handholds could be a very serious problem. And making so like them very grease and poles. Yeah. Is that something? Is that anything? No. Like, how often oh, yeah. are you going to be trying to get somebody who likes to free climb off a building. I think we've let a couple go that like kept a couple that were about very implausible things before. Yeah. But that's so specific and also so obvious that it's like that, that what do I do with that information? Like as soon as someone says free climbing to me, I know what to do. Get the trusty old olive oil out. 
All right. This is this next one is also a thing that's like pretty specific. Uh, Jaws of life are standard equipment for emergency rescue outfits. If you'd rather not take a set that might be needed, you don't steal them from a fire station. A fire training center, on the other hand, can probably miss theirs for a few days without risking anyone's life. Um, I, you know, like, I, I can imagine enough uses for the Jaws of life that this would be useful. This is sort of like the, hey, when you're a spy, you sometimes have to be a piece of work. But, you know, you can limit how much danger you're putting other people in to complete your mission if you get your Jaws of life from this place rather than this other place. And it's also a thing of, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Jaws of life. It could be another kind of life-saving equipment. Right. Yeah, no, that's I, what I, I think it should stay. Yeah, I'll give it to it. This next one um, is nothing, but I also, but I do think it's pretty good life advice. <laughs> when you make a mistake in the field, the key is to focus on solutions, not regrets. Being sorry doesn't mean much in combat situations. You can't apologize to a corpse. That's, that's a great point. not a spy tip, but I think it's a good point. It's a good leadership. Sometimes you fuck up and it's better to focus on solutions than feeling sorry for yourself. Especially when you're in sort of the like heat of it. Like this is, this is a base, you know, a slightly more spy tip variety version of something that I tell like my students in production classes where like one of the things that I try to emphasize before they start going onto set is like the most important thing on set is to not be petty. And it's going to be so hard because sometimes someone's going to do something that pisses you off and they're going to fuck up and you're going to want to lord it over them because you're like at the end of your rope because production is very stressful, but that is not helpful to anyone, especially if you are in charge. So figure out a solution emphasize that we're not worried about placing blame. You're just worried about finishing your day and focus on that. And everything will go much more smoothly. Focus on solutions first, blame later when you are out of the See, what's interesting about this is that in your version, it's about something that someone else did. And in my version, it's about something that I did. Well, but I'm never wrong and never do anything wrong. So it's like hard for me to put myself in that like headspace. Uh. (laughs) Being married to me is going to be so much fun, Chris. I can't wait for you to experience God. it. Does that stay? Do you think it stays? Uh, um, You know what? I don't know. Because that is very practical advice that I wish somebody had reminded me of before I started being in like collaborative situations with time crunches. And certainly before yeah, me too. leadership positions and crime crunches. Like, this isn't practical in the way that we usually think about it, but this is genuinely good advice. When you have a time crunch... Like, it does not matter whose fault something is. And it does not matter, like, if you apologize. It only matters. Like, you apologizing does me no good if we are no closer to a solution and getting out of the situation. The only thing that matters is You're so angry at people who have wronged you. I am. I never let anything go. I am a complete long-term grudge holder, and it's one of my worst qualities. But no, it's like, it's very good advice. I think it's good advice. All right, let's keep it. I like that. Yeah. All right. A good diversion draws people's attention, but doesn't make them run for their lives. If you're using a parked vehicle, that means you want smoke and fire without the risk of an explosion. Olive oil starts to smoke at 375 degrees. Mix in the right amount of cheap motor oil with the low flash point, apply it to the inside of an exhaust pipe, and you should have enough time to walk away before the fun starts. 
So I don't like that they haven't told me what the right amount of cheap motor oil is. Um, and also, haven't we gotten this exact same advice just in a slightly different circumstance where it's like, when you want to get cr- cause a diversion, like a speeding car is going to make people run away, but a slow moving car will make them look closer. It's like that, but now with flammable but, olive oil. But now we know that the smoking point of olive oil, which is actually very useful to me because we cook. <laughs> but how often do you know what the heat of whatever is in your pan is? Like the actual well, temperature get, like, of your pan. What if you like cook something in the oven where you like set it? Yeah. You know what? And like Fair. the idea of like specifically like take some olive oil, put it in like the fucking exhaust pipe with like motor oil. Like I think there's like a lot of specifics here. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll allow I think, it. Yeah. I don't think it's the first part that's the tip. It's the like here's a thing that you can do to make a car look like it's smoking without blowing the car up. Mm-hmm. Without making it unsafe for people to investigate. Yeah. All right. And last one, number six. If if this is anything, um, which it's not, but in free climbing, the general rule is always to maintain at least two points of contact with the surface. Actually, that's kind of useful. Mm-hmm. Um, challenging climbs always include a point where. The only way to continue is to make a leap from one point of support to the next. For experienced climbers, it's a routine technique with minimal risk unless, of course, the ha- handhold you're jumping to is coated with silicon-based lubricant. Good to know that he used lube and not just, like, regular vegetable oil for this. Well, not olive oil because the, uh, it smokes at 375 degrees. <laughs> yeah, and they needed all of the olive oil for that. Plus, that would dry. And for his tuna and tahini thing that mm. people are always he uses him. lube for that too. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, Do you think that's anything? Of, the two points of contact is useful. Yeah, and I don't think we've I don't know anything about before. climbing. I don't think we have either. You, I used you can to keep rock it. climb a lot. Rock climbing is like one of my favorite things to do, and I hope to someday get to do it again. I don't think I would enjoy it. No, I don't think you would either. All right. Well, that's six tips, so it passes on tips. It sure does. All right. Speaking um, of passing, how do we rate this episode? Spycraft over violence. Does it happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they kind of fuck out, but like, yeah, they're trying to do spycraft. <laughs> yeah, they try their darndest. Um, yeah, and at the end, like, no one... I don't think it's like a real blow shit up solution or no, no it's good there's an alias that's dj the thief yeah Is but dj anything? the thief I... doesn't really have any distinguishing features the the no. alias that dj the thief plays has more distinguishing features than michael weston's dj like his sub alias was more distinct than his prime yeah. alias uh and even that was just his general like i've got an accent and i work in construction yeah it's not really much it's yeah I yeah, think so I, a, I, a thief named DJ is less interesting than a DJ named Thief. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, so I, I wouldn't say that this is a distinct alias. All right, so then it comes down to, does this episode use Fee and Samwell? What does Fee do in this episode? Uh, she gets mad at one point. <laughs> so um, not much. Not much. Um, Sam really kind of has him. this thing with Dougie that's kind of sweet. Yeah, but it doesn't really come from any character place. It's just like 
well, what's he going to be? An asshole to him? So like it doesn't really yeah, like, but when, like when Sam is nice to other characters it com- like we learn something about him. But in this case he's just like he's just being nice to a guy and like I don't feel like that's a particularly good use or particularly peak Bruce Campbell use of Sam, you know what I mean? No, you're right. Cuz like is this not what, a great what, what defines using son? Sam well is peak Bruce Campbell. This is true. Uh so this is this is not a great episode of Burn Notice. Mm-mm, only two out of two. Ah. Oh. That's a shame, because I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah. It's a better version um, of a lot of the things that we've seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't amazing or anything. Definitely wasn't a great episode of television. No, certainly not. But it was but it was fun. It was diverting. But it must be an episode of television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, it's a very, like, it was fun, but it was very sloppy, you know? Like, what we like, very what sloppy. we determine that we like about television and about Burn Notice episodes in particular is when, like, the details mean something, the character moments are motivated, and they teach us something or show us something that we haven't seen before or show us an escalation of something we have seen before, and this did not have any of that. No, it just had, it mostly had... Madeline's thing. That was it. That was really all it had. Yeah, and it, even that didn't go as far as it absolutely should have. Like the exactly. Madeline thing. It botched the landing. Yeah, it really botched the landing there. Like an episode with Sugar and Madeline getting like honored by cops. That could have been such a good episode. But And instead it's just kind of like there. Yeah. It's just an yeah, episode. It's just an episode of television. It is an episode of television that aired on the USA network. Yes, it is. And with that. There's nothing left to say except to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vincent E.L., uh, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Bye. Was it this episode that Sam wants to borrow some sugar from Madeline? It must have been because he's moved in it with Miss Reynolds. Wouldn't it have been funny if Madeline had been like, sneaking in sugar like sugar had like like the actual drug dealer sugar had been like living with madeline secretly and that's what sam wanted to borrow and it was just like this very weird scene that nobody remarks upon and then when sugar comes up and later in the episode everyone pretends like they haven't seen him in years anyways that's my pitch bye everyone